0: Respiratory physiologic changes in the obstetric patient. The obstetric patient will have increased oxygen demands around 35%. The increase in relaxant allows the thoracic cage circumference to increase by 5 to 7 centimeters. This allows the ribs to assume a more horizontal position and gives the lungs more space as the diaphragm moves more cephalate. The vertical measurement of the chest is decreased by four centimeters. The airway conductance increases, indicating airway dilation below the larynx. The obstetric patient's tidal volume increases by 45%. They will have a reduced inspiratory reserve capacity related to this tidal volume increase. Their expiratory reserve volume decreases by 20 to 25 percent. The residual volume decreases by 15 to 20 percent. The FRC decreases by 20 percent at term. Total lung capacity is only slightly reduced by 5 percent. The respiratory rate increases by about 15 percent. Progesterone is a respiratory stimulant and this causes the respiratory rate increase, as well as an increase in O2 consumption and CO2 production. For the arterial blood gas for this patient, the obstetric patient, you will see an increase in PaO2 to to between 103 and 110, which is explained by small reductions in the physiological shunt of the lungs. There will be a decrease in PaCO2 down to 28 to 32, instead of 35. The patient's pH will stay about the same due to a compensatory increase in renal excretion of bicarbonate ions. The alveolar ventilation increases. Inspiratory capacity increases 15% during the third trimester. Pulmonary vascular resistance will decrease by 30%. In the obstetric patient, there is no change in the FEV1 FEC ratio and no change in the flow volume loop. The obstetric patient's minute ventilation will increase up to 50%. They will potentially have an increase in closing volumes, which puts them at risk for atelectasis and hypoxemia the oxyhemoglobin dissociation curve shifts to the right, and P50 increases to 30 millimeters of mercury by turn. This facilitates unloading to the, of oxygen to the fetus. The increases in progesterone, estrogen, and relaxin cause vascular engorgement and hyperemia. This combines with an increase in extracellular fluid volume, and leads to upper airway swelling that affects the nasal passages, oropharynx, epiglottis, larynx, and trachea. The glottis can be narrowed, the mucosa can become friable, and the larger breasts can make direct laryngoscopy more difficult. In terms of the increase in O2 consumption, the obstetric patient will have an increase by 20% in their first stage, 40% 40% in their second stage and up to 70% during active labor. Obstetric cardiovascular changes. Cardiac output in the obstetric patient increases 50% which is attributable to 25% for stroke volume and about 25% for heart rate. An increase up to 75 to 80% immediately postpartum, which is the highest. Left ventricular and diastolic volume is increased. The ejection fraction is increased. Systemic vascular resistance is decreased by up to 20%. The systolic pressure is not really changed, but you may see a lower diastolic pe- pressure in the obstetric patient. After about 20 weeks, aor- aorto-cable compression can occur when the patient is supine also known as supine hypotensive syndrome. You will see tachycardia, pallor, and diaphoresis. This is why the obstetric patient should have left uterine displacement to relieve the pressure off of the aorta. In the EKG, you will see left-axis deviation and T-wave changes. You may hear a low systolic murmur during auscultation, exaggerated splitting of the first heart sound and third heart sound due to increased blood volume and annular dilation. The obstetric patient may have a decreased adrenergic response due to vasodilatory prostaglandins. During labor, the patient may auto-transfuse with contractions and placental clamp. Up to f- between five to seven hundred milliliters of placental flow shunts to the maternal circulation and this may uh, be problematic in patients with co- pre-existing cardiovascular disease the cardiac output rises to its highest level immediately postpartum this is something to be aware of if a patient has pulmonary hypertension or stenotic valves cardiac output can return to normal after about four weeks frc and residual volume return quickly as many of the changes are due to the mechanical compression from the gravid uterus Dilutional anemia and hematocrit return in four weeks, secondary to postpartum diuresis. The obstetric patient's GFR, serum creatinine, and BUN return to normal in less than three weeks. The mechanical effects of the uterus on the GI tract resolve in two to three days postpartum, but gastric emptying may still be slowed for several weeks as serum progesterone levels slowly decrease. Obstetric, hematology, and coagulation changes. The obstetric patient's plasma volume increases by 50% by the second trimester. Their blood volume increases 45%. The plasma volume increases a little more than RBCs, so you'll see relative dilutional anemia in the obstetric patient. Red blood cells can increase up to 30%. Hemoglobin will decrease down to a hemoglobin and hematocrit count of 11 grams per deciliter and 33%. Anything lower than this may indicate anemia due to iron deficiency. If the patient has a relatively normal hemoglobin and hematocrit value, it may indicate that the patient has PIH, which is pregnancy-induced hypertension, and the Normal counts are due to a decreased intravascular volume. Total protein and albumin decrease. Obstetric patients are assumed to be in a hypercoagulable state. They have decreases in factors 11, 13, and proteins S and C. The unchanged factors are 2, 5, and 83, and they will have increased amounts of factor 7 and fibrinogen 8 9 10 12 plasminogen d-dimer fibrin degradation products and fibrinolysis the obstetric patient will have a pt ptt level that's shortened by 20 percent they will have no change in their actual bleeding time test obstetric gastrointestinal changes. Gastric emptying will have no change, but it will be slowed in labor due to pain. Placental gastrin secretion causes hypersecretion of gastric acid and a decrease in gastric pH. The gravid uterus shifts the stomach up, shifting the the GE junction and decreasing lower esophageal sphincter tone. Progesterone elevation reduces lower esophageal sphincter tone. The gravid uterus increases intragastric pressure. Obstetric patients are prone to regurgitation as well as aspiration pneumonitis. This is also known as Mendelssohn syndrome. and Patients are most at risk when they have a pH less than 2.5 and a gastric volume that's greater than 25 milliliters. Due to the high risk for aspiration, you can give obstetric patients non-particulate antacids just before induction, which are sodium citrate or bisitra. 30 milliliters, 15 to 30 minutes before surgery. You can also give obstetric patients H2 antagonists just before induction, Famotidine or Pepsid, 10 to 20 milligrams IV over 10 minutes. Ranitidine, to Zantac, 50 milligrams IV over 10 minutes. And you should give these more than 30 minutes before surgery, and they can last 12 to 24 hours. Metoclopramide or Reglin can be given if general anesthesia is anticipated. 10 to 20 milligrams IV every 6 hours. And this will increase lower esophageal sphincter tone and upregulate GI motility without decreasing pH. Dopamine antagonists, or Raylan is a dopamine antagonist that works in the chemoreceptor trigger zone. Risks with reglin metaclopamide include extrapyramidal syndromes symptoms, uh, which can be treated with Benadryl. You must give Reglan slowly, or you can cause anxiety or a sense of doom in the patient. Obstetric, hepatic, and gallbladder changes, as well as renal. The hepatic function, size, and blood flow of the obstetric patient is unchanged, but bile tends to concentrate and the gallbladder doesn't completely empty which puts the obstetric patient at higher risk for gallstone formation. Hepatic enzymes are increased to the upper limits of normal. There's a decrease up to 20% of pseudocolonesterase, but this is clinically insignificant. Renal vasodilation increases renal blood flow as well as GFR by 50%. BUN will decrease to eight to nine milligrams per deciliter and creatinine will decrease to 0.5 to 0.6 milligrams per deciliter. Increased renin and aldosterone secretion promotes sodium retention. These patients are prone to UTI due to urine stasis and pyelonephritis. Potassium and bicarbonate are higher. Sodium is decreased due to dilution in these patients. It is normal to have some protein and glucose in the urine due to the increase in GFR and decreased renal absorption. Renal autoregulation is preserved. In the obstetric patient, the endocrine changes are an increase in T3 and T4. Free T3 and T4 are unchanged. TSH levels fall during the first trimester, and the patient's fasting blood glucose level is lower in the third trimester. Obstetric CNS and Pharmacology Changes In the obstetric patient, progesterone is increased 10 to 20 times the normal amount. This is sedating and potentiates the effects of volatiles, increases sensitivity to local anesthetics, and you will see a MAC decrease of 30%, which starts around 8 to 12 weeks. Compression of the IVC by the gravid uterus leads to dilation of the azygous system and the epidural veins. This decreases the volume and size of the epidural and, and intrathecal spaces which decreases local anesthetic spinal and epidural dose uh, necessities. There is no change in the ICP. The pharmacological changes that you'll see in the obstetric patient include a decrease in MAC by 30 to 40%. Again, this is due to the increased progesterone and endorphin concentrations, a decreased FRC, and an increased minute volume the decreased local anesthetic dose due to epidural vein engorgement and increased sensitivity caused by increased progesterone. This is most significant with a spinal anesthetic block. There's a decrease in plasma albumin secondary to dilution anemia. This allows for an increase in free fractions of protein-bound drugs. There's a decreased plasma cholinesterase level Fetal ion trapping can occur with local anesthetics during maternal alkalosis and fetal acidosis. Nearly all parenteral opioids, especially morphine, induction agents, inhalational anesthetics, local anesthetics are able to readily cross the placenta and can affect the fetus. Drugs that do not cross the placenta include muscle relaxants, glycopyrrolate, and reninidine. Because of all of this, regional anesthetic techniques are preferred for management of labor pain.